0: You are now tuned in to the Free Play Media Podcast Network.
1: Live Chris Denman. I'm gonna go solo today. I'll introduce you to our guest in just a moment. Gotta say thanks to Barrel Beard and Tattoo Oil, great sponsor of ours, and given the time, veteran owned, made right here in St. Louis, Missouri. Check them out if you have a beard. If you don't, beard and skin product, you guys got to check them out. Great partner of ours here on We Are Live today. Very pleased to be joined. He's playing at uh, playing, he's performing at the Funny Bone <laughs> here in St. Louis all weekend long. You know I'm from American Ninja Warrior. He's a champ of The Apprentice, Dying. Matt Heisman. What's up, man? Good to Nothing. see you. Nothing.
0: I love that you're going solo. I feel like this is when Sting left the police. It like, is.
1: Travis, well, I got I to gotta spread my wings, bro. I like to compare it to, uh, it's almost a lone ra- You remember the movie uh, that Adam Sandler and Steve Buscemi did where they were the lone rangers and they took over a radio station? You, I'm right, blanking on the uh, cinematic uh, radio masterpiece. Radio Pirates was it or something? Like something there. along. Airheads. Airheads. Yeah, yeah Brendan yeah. Fraser. Brendan Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Your favorite actor, you were telling me before we turned uh, on the George of the Jungle. He That's was so right. good. He
0: was good in The Mummy.
1: Yeah, I, I prefer that. School it's, ties? Come yes. on. <laughs> His later <laughs> work, not so much. Well, you know, he does what he can do. But uh, no, I'm, we're pumped to have you in St. Louis, Thank man. You. You've been making the rounds all morning, doing everything. You're still smiling. You're very affable. We had a really good conversation yeah. prior to this. Part of the gig. I mean, is this you? No, Am I I, I, seeing I, you? I tend to
0: be, and an, I I tend to be a very enthusiastic, positive guy, and I also I'm someone who I think, uh, you know, I came, I had a career before entertainment. I was a doctor. I went to medical school.
1: I got my M.D. You don't talk about that much, and I'll, occasionally on stage, what? Well, yeah, right. It's so. It's. It, I'm it, giving you shit. It's, it's, it's you so interesting. It, it's, it's shameful. to yes, bring up like, the. <laughs> you're like, I'll tell my story if you're not
0: going to ask. I. It. Uh, You know, it it feels like a lifetime ago now. It's been, I've been doing comedy now for about 18 years and, and it feels, so it does feel like a lifetime ago, but one of the things I think it gave me was such a perspective on, you know, truly life, you know, we, we were joking about, you know, life or death situations and and what's really important. And so for me, having left medicine, where you really are dealing with someone's life, people place their health in your hands and the responsibility of that to come out. I know how lucky I feel to get to come out and do stand-up comedy. And to do American Ninja Warrior, and I talk about like in 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 my line of work, in our line of work, I think the what we do isn't a job. The job is getting the job. The job is being unemployed and having to struggle. But when we get to do what we love to do, like when I'm on stage doing stand up, I'm having a blast.
1: You have to be. Why else would you do it, right? right. Especially with your background. I mean,
0: it really is. It's great. So for me, you know, when I get to go around and have a chance to. You know, and, and the, part of the challenge for me though is having been on American Ninja Warrior now for nine years, and that's we crazy. Just this, it's
1: crazy. It's nuts. when you think how I, long? I it's mean, been. you
0: know, a show. I've, 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 I've done so many shows, and look, like the people. You know, the the numbers on television shows are thousands get pitched you know hundreds get made you know a dozen might get on air and you think one or two will make it past you, a year
1: you may as a creator of a show if you go to network you may make over a million dollars from what they and it may never even see air never see air and they'll still purchase it you still get a fat check yeah. from them that bet- I guess there's probably but it writers. Yeah, it, the, it dies. Uh, it's
0: insane. Though, it dies. Right? And you look at you know you look at people who who have shows and it goes two or three years and it goes away and and you know, who was it like alex O'Loughlin, the guy on hawaii 50 like cbs was determined to make him a star and it was like year after year after year and i think hawaii 50 was his third or fourth pilot at cbs where they're like we we believe in you we just got to find the right vehicle and you know thank god one stuck because there are so many people who have a ton of talent
1: yeah not everybody has stand up to and you just got to gotta get an opportunity on, dude, yeah, yeah, yeah right absolutely. right absolutely because and I
0: was lucky The American Ninja Warrior Was one that kind of Fell into my lap They offered it to me And you know I, I had no idea It was going to grow Into a network show And have a spin off And we're doing a live tour Yeah and yeah I've,
1: I lived I uh, lived here In downtown St. Louis You guys did a 22 that, degrees When we oh were my here God, You, you were, guys rolled out The red carpet I lived On the block Like I'm walking My pit bull around And there's American Ninja Warrior Happening like Right it's, by where I live And downtown. it's been
0: amazing Like for us Because we when we started out And we'd come to a town It would be kind of a novel thing and now you know we we were just in Cleveland and thousands of people are lining the course in the middle of the night. People show up at 3am to get to watch till 6am. Absolutely. And people are that passionate about it and it's been amazing to see the growth and to see gyms open up across the country and to see something go from this niche Japanese show to something on G4 to something on primetime TV to now a sport. I mean it's bigger than the TV it, show.
1: Did that lend it to, so you played four years at Princeton, correct? For yeah undergrad crazy by the way you're not supposed to be athletic, funny and smart. Right. I, like a- I said, on paper I'm impressive, yeah. Chris. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm taking it all in. I'm liking the like, I like the brown <laughs> shoes. I appreciate a tall right. comic. I right. get, it's weird whenever I have to take pictures and I look like Shrek next yeah. to Chris Catan. Well, like I it's,
0: it's cause I look short because I'm next to Akbar Bajabia Miller, who's 6'6, 260. Correct. So I look petite and people meet me in TV. I'm like 6'4, 245. You're a big guy. I'm a big guy, but people never know that. And it's nice in comedy because I tend not to get heckled as much. Right. I mean, yeah. again, I'm not the most controversial comic. I tend to go up, have a good time. I'm not picking on people, but occasionally you'll get a drunk somebody, but usually you're like, all right, are we what do we we gonna do? Right. I mean, I'm not a fighter, so if they really called me out, I'd be in trouble. But I know people who can. Yeah, fight, yeah exa- and I'm yeah.
1: sure in St. Louis, I could pay someone to kick someone's butt. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If my co-host was here, he'd smash he through the table. Travis is an ass kicker. Good uh, to know. Absolutely not. He's not at oh, all. Okay. Like, okay, so we were talking. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as American Ninja Warrior goes, do you feel like uh, the athletic background helped with that? Yeah. I think this. I think stand up and your. So
0: you know, it all does. It all does. I. It's funny. I look at it as I. I often talk about. my my career, and I think of cross-training. So for me, one of the things... Stand-up is my first love. I love the immediacy of being on stage being in front of a crowd without a net and having to think on your mind having to create the jokes and then having to respond in the moment and I think that's a skill set that absolutely helps with hosting particularly when you do a live event now we do Ninja obviously we record a few months in advance but you try to call it as a live event and I think having the stand up background for me makes me feel comfortable with that situation I've done improv at the Groundlings I've done acting and I think all of it kind of feeds into it And, and actually I look at my medical training and think of you know the ability. I learned how to process information and retain things, memorize. What's things your ba- and so we? Uh,
1: I feel weird not calling you doctor. By the way, right, With well, all technically that I am. Yeah, but my yeah, yeah. dad,
0: my dad's Doctor Eiseman. I'm. I am. I'm. I, yeah. What, well, what's, your what's your so background? So I went to medical school at Columbia University in New York. And, not to be uh,
1: confused. Which does this happen? Because you're in the arts. Do people go? Oh, I went to Columbia College in Chicago. too and you're like, well, people, people, people sometimes will think
0: like Columbia, like South America, like you went to a medical school <laughs> in Grenada. Like, right, right. One right.
1: of those. Sketchy schools like you, the really people that didn't go get to your the MD. Bahamas. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, there's these people and they go on like a two year thing. and I'm like, I two, don't know that you I want to just you checking get out my MD. nuts, like, yeah, right, right? It, it's a weird thing, but it's, okay, so Princeton and then the Columbia, like, the Columbia in New York like where City, where Marcellus Wiley went, uh, Marcellus uh, yes, Wiley, yes, very yes, good. Yes. Uh
0: so yeah he was at the undergrad campus they unfortunately the medical school so the undergrad campus is like uh 110th and Broadway we're at 160th Washington Heights mm-hmm. not the nicest neighborhood but but a phenomenal like top 3 med school and got my MD and was doing residency when I realized my heart wasn't in it and it was one of those things where I liked medical school I loved the challenge but as I got into it I'm just like this is this isn't a job this is a calling people's lives are in your hands And I think when I started having this feeling, this, this, you know, I I used to call it the Sunday blues. Like when you remember in elementary school, Sunday would roll around you're like, oh God, I got to go to school tomorrow. I started getting that feeling going into the hospital and I thought this is, this is not how I should feel for my patients. This is not how I should feel for myself, and so I decided to take a year off to kind of reevaluate and What think. was
1: dad saying at this point?
0: So dad's a doctor. Yeah.
1: Dad's, ouch,
0: I just kicked the microphone because I'm a professional. Listen, I, we get it, I, you're a star. I, Do what you want. I, uh, he was a professor at the University of Colorado where I was doing residency. So I, I think... You know, part of him is so proud that I'm following in his footsteps, and he never pressured me. But I think I respected my dad and respected the. Was he financially tied
1: to to you going through medical school. I grandparents helped out, okay, but mom and dad
0: helped out as yeah. well. And so they, you know, there was not an inconsiderable. That's an investment. odd conversation. Medical school is not cheap. Yeah, um, but I think that they saw that my heart wasn't in it. So, so it, it was hard though to sit my dad down and tell him, you know. This career that you've chosen that I followed in, I'm not sure it's for me. I need to take some time to reevaluate. That
1: you made it through. To, I made it through. It. You I literally. I, I talked about it. This is
0: like the Titanic makes it across the Atlantic and then <laughs> smashes into the Statue of Liberty and just keeps ramming into it until it sinks. Right. right Land right. is right there. <laughs> you've done it. You've made the journey. So you know, I I sat him down and told him, and to his you know the the. Everlasting credit. The first words my dad told me were life is short. Do what makes you happy. Wow. And and they've meant it. They've supported me and everything I've done and how ridiculous, you know, I go out and I got lucky in that. You know, doing residency, you're making $32,000 a year. Right. And I'm right, making a right. lot. And I got out, I I got into national commercials within a few weeks of getting out there. So I was making, you know, a good six figure. So I was making three or four times as much as I was as a resident. Immediately? Almost immediately out in Hollywood, which made it a lot easier to stay. But
1: more importantly, well, when you're not waiting tables, I'm not waiting tables yeah.
0: and I'm making money. But more importantly, I was doing stand up. And I just fell in love and I just felt like I found my calling. I found something I was passionate about. I love being on stage. Like when, you know, if you come out to the Funny Bone and you see me, you're going to see someone who's like, I know how lucky I am to have done something that would have been a great stable career sure but that I got the chance to step away from it and find something I truly love and not many people I think in this world get the opportunity or or are lucky enough to truly figure out what it is that makes your heart Beat faster that makes you excited to get out of bed. And so, you know, when you, this came about from you going, like going around in the morning. You know, I got up at 7 a.m., which was 5 a.m. LA at eight time, but I'm getting a chance to go around and tell people. I do comedy. I, I, most, because most people know me from Ninja Warrior. They don't know I do yeah, comedy. Yeah, yeah. And so the that opportunity. That's too nice, though, to
1: get some of those fans to come out and yeah. you're like, yeah, but I can do this. But too. I can do
0: this, too. And it yeah. is, you know, it's, 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 it's so, so I, I, I work on a Hallmark Channel show, too, because the other thing I believe is career wise is I say, I say yes to everything. I, I any opportunity. Obviously, I, as you I, said, no, here I mean, like, at the, at no, no, literally, today. I mean, to do it, to do a podcast with, with someone, and, and, you know, I will, to your credit, Beth, said this is one of the best interviews you'll ever do because Chris and you know she complimented not Travis as much thank he's you, not here. Thank but you. Don't but said no. this
1: she, the one on one you know those are cute when it's like, the, the whole she wacky said, though, gang.
0: Is you get an opportunity and and one of the like on apprentice one of the things I learned was the value of sharing your story where I talked about having rheumatoid arthritis and
1: being a this comedian. I don't and, have to forcibly talk about things you've done. Well, You're a pro. I, I do. No You're I, a pro. I, I love talking I love about it. myself.
0: But but the point being that for me Uh, I'm on this Hallmark show, and I'm talking to Bishop T.D. Jakes, comes on this show. Yeah, big fan of the bishop. And so a guy, you know, who I've heard of a lot, never really heard him speak, and he's actually written this book called Soar, and he's talking about, he's actually talking about entrepreneurship. And so, you know, they had me ask the question, if you're stuck in a job that you don't like, obviously kind of my background in medicine, what advice would you have? And I, you know, kind of throw this question to him, not not really expecting this answer. And he goes, if you only accept jobs that people offer you, you will only get hired for what people see you as. If you want to do something different, you have to convince them you can do it. You have to brand yourself. And it was just one of these things like a punch to the face of like, you know, as much as I love comedy and as long as I've done it, a lot of people don't know. And so- to take an opportunity to come out and do a club or to come and tell people in St. Louis, that guy from American Ninja Warrior who you hear
1: yell actually is also a comedian. We're guilty of it as just consumers whenever you watch a show, you're like, oh, this is jackass on the TV or do whatever. Yeah. When in reality, it's heavily produced. It's very, it's it's tough. I know it's it's entertainment, so it's not digging ditches, but it's tough to nail that. The fact yeah. that you've even made it to there, everything you've said Groundlings. That's world class training as far as you're doing it. 18 years of stand up in LA. Yeah. I saw you were just at the improv. Yeah. Wonderful spot. I've been to shows there. You're going to get booed off the stage because if you suck, then the person after you probably has a Netflix special. Jim Jeffries was show. on the stage. I was saying, Jim Jeffries, yeah.
0: uh, you know, uh, Jim Jeffries. Comes up there
1: and. you gun control. Did, no, well, sorry. no, yeah, no, he goes, no he,
0: he goes, uh, he goes, I wasn't expecting to go up, uh, so I might be drunk and uh, I might have done cocaine. I'm lying. I definitely did cocaine. And he talked about like, somebody tried to blackmail me for doing cocaine. Like, I have a photo of you doing cocaine. And he's like, I have a photo of me doing cocaine. I've done cocaine off of a photo of me doing cocaine. And I apologize, A, for my awful Australian accent. No, it's doing good. It's better than mine. But, but I wanted to say, like you know, and then and then I had to go up and and follow. I was you know hosting the night and and I just thought this was so great. And I had a chance. I'd never met Jim Jeffries, and just to tell him for me it was so fun to say. I just think you know you're you're wildly entertaining, and I love the fact that you know you you'll talk about anything. And and again, I I tend to be a a little goofier, clean comedian, but I love I love all styles of comedy, and sure. and, and I'm a fierce believer in that either everything's fair game or nothing's fair game. And it's an interesting time right now for people who earn their living with words. As you see, one wrong joke can end a career, a wrong tweet, a tweet that is perceived or taken out of context. Right, right. And, you know, to me, what, what amazes me is as I look at this and, and as entertainers and, you know, there are... When you see someone get crucified for a joke that people deem tasteless, but you know is a joke. Um, yeah, or that at least there was an attempt of humor. And I, and I just kind of feel when, when we don't say like, God, we need to allow people to, to say things we disagree with the, the, the importance of freedom of speech and freedom of disagreement is rather than silencing someone, you debate them, you argue, you point out their inconsistencies rather than silence them. And, and again, as someone, you know, I don't, think I ever really cross a line, but I want comedians like Jim Jeffries or Jim Norton or Doug Stanhope who say things that are totally offensive, but make me laugh. I want them to be able to do that because I think, I think it's such an important way for us to talk about difficult topics. And as I look at things, I think politics is often downstream of culture. And when you look at Ellen's sitcom, you know her coming out on her sitcom. How that was how, a
1: big deal.
0: It was a that big was a deal, a huge deal, a huge deal. And I think for so many people, more so than any political campaign, to see this woman who were like, oh, she's funny. Yeah. How something like that, you know, can can through comedy, you can change people's minds.
1: Yeah, and and that's I always laugh about Ellen. Like I've literally never seen her show. Like I've seen clips or something. But like even for something that appears to be as simple as like hosting the Ellen show. How many years has she been a stand-up? And, and like, good luck matching that level, you know.
0: And the the people laugh about the Kardashians, and I'm like, I, they just, I think they've been on for now ten years. They just signed a hundred fifty million dollar extension. Don't be mad at them. Be and, mad at Ryan Seacrest. And, 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 if you're and, mad at but, but but my point is, I'm like, look, out of all this entertainment options in the world. People are choosing them. They're doing something right, something compelling. Right. So it's one of those things like, it might not be my cup of tea, but I have such tremendous respect for them that they've managed to make themselves relevant now, whether they're selling their souls to the devil, whatever it is. I think, you know, being in entertainment, you realize how hard is it to, A, get an audience, and B, keep an audience. Because, as we're seeing, you know, it used to be three channels. Now there are th- thousands, literally millions of channels if you think of YouTube or Hulu or yeah. anyone can post something. You can go Facebook Live. And for something to stand out and for someone to maintain an audience, whoever does it, however they do it, I respect. I'm like, it might not be what I enjoy, but you're doing something that people are responding to. And it's
1: to. under the vertical of entertainment too. Yeah. I mean, and I haven't name dropped enough, but my podcast partner from another show Ian Bag, very, oh, very good. Oh, better, I love
0: Ian Bagg, I'm the comedian. <laughs> I'll put fingers in your mother. But,
1: but he absolutely, he'll say, he's like, yeah, and he's a he pretentious bastard about some comics or comedy, but he won't hold, he will say, if you make a dollar off of getting out there, it's so hard yeah. to do anything. And I watch it with him. I'm privy, He's pitching shows right now just because he's one of the funniest acts you'll ever see doesn't mean he's selling that TV show. It's so it's, it, it's refreshing to hear you say that too. And it is.
0: And, and, and it's one of those things when, you know, there, there, there's there, there, that is one of the things that bothers me about comedy and, and that I respect Ian for saying it, because I agree, too. Like, we saw it with Dane Cook or Larry the Cable Guy or Carlos Mencia or Mincy he for, for a little different reason, but yeah. but how some comics will have a stratospheric rise or Amy Schumer, and then there's this backlash. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so many of it are comics who are like, I'm funnier than they are, rather than saying... Are you? Right, <laughs> A, are you, and B, look, it's not... It doesn't matter what you think. It matters what the audience thinks. The Correct. audience is right, and, you know... To a certain extent, when you look at a comedy club, one of the realities is they don't really care if you're funny. They care if you can put butts in seats, w- and that's, and because it, it. it's money. It's yeah. it's it's money, and you know. So so uh, when when someone like Dane Cook or someone has this meteoric rise, and I I was there in L.A. like it, there was this club called Dublin's, and it was the most magical club. It was Tuesday nights. This guy Jay Davis, and it was the hottest room in town. I mean, the Laugh Factory, comedy store, nothing Tuesday. Nights at Dublin's, it was 300, 350 people, Justin Timberlake, everyone showing up, and A list comics would go up. And if they didn't bring their A list stuff and cry, you would bomb. I mean, really? this was one of the toughest rooms. And Dan Cook would go in there and destroy and It was one of those things where I think a lot of people saw him on TV and I think some comics, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, he's very verbose, he's very wordy, very clever, that translates. But to have seen Dane Cook, what he did live, I thought, as a performer, I'm like, I don't care what people say, like I saw what he did to this room week after week, month after month, year after year, where I was like, this is one of the greatest, most electric live performers I've seen. And so when people tore him down, I was like, he, his success only serves to help comedy in general. Right. To get more people to want to see it. The blue collar guys, you might not like them, but people go see their act, they enjoy it, then they come to the comedy club. And so, you know, as, as comedians, I'm, I'm I'm always like, when someone has success, I'm happy for them because I think it helps stand up in general. Kevin Hart going around generates more interest in stand-up. Amy Schumer does the same thing.
1: It is so tough just to get someone to do the act of leaving their home and walking into a club. Yeah. Is so damn tough. Like even the people, say you sell out every show this weekend of the Funny Bone, which you guys gotta go see him this weekend, Funny Bone. Even if you sell out every single one, that's still compared to the population of the city, a, a tiny, right. minuscule percentage right. of people that are actually out. So the act of actually getting people there is such a tough task. Here's a question, and it falls to Dane Cook. I saw a picture of Dane Cook, who's in his 40s too. Whatever he, I'm, he's he's jacked. He's yeah. a good-looking guy. Same for you. I we have friend uh, Michael Costa, handsome yeah. guy. Yeah, I know very Costa. Fun, yeah, former professional tennis, tennis player. Play, right. It's funny to me. Whenever there's the weird turnaround backlash to in a, every other social norm in America, you walk into a room, some people are gonna notice you. You're taller, you're right. handsome guy. In comedy, it can back turn in a way too. So you're almost, I almost appreciate that at times where I'm like, oh, he's he's showing you people that are maybe thinking that you're superior uh, with, like you said, being very wordy right. or, or verbose. It's interesting to me to see that, to come back around being a handsome guy or something too. And Brendan Schaub, who's a fighter, yeah, who's now The doing fighter in the kid with Brian Callen. I, correct. Great yeah.
0: MMA, yeah, great podcaster. Absolutely.
1: And he's now, he's like headlining stuff. Yeah. I don't know if it's too quick for his stand-up. I haven't seen it. But I, I bet he's facing some of that too. Does that? Do you know what I'm getting I, yeah, at? T- totally, there? Totally. Yeah, totally, totally. You know, and
0: I, I think it's it, I think it's much tougher for women for for a pretty woman yes, where a lot absolutely. of guys might not listen. Very good point. I mean, for me, I've 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 always felt that I I uh, I think I tend to be goofy enough and self deprecating enough. I don't know. I haven't. You don't noticed. have the jock
1: air about you, despite maybe I, someone thinking you have the look. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: I think so. And I think, I think you know, I, gr- growing up, I identified more probably. Again, I, I I was an athlete. I played in college, but obviously, it was Princeton, so it wasn't. You know, <laughs> that's like being yeah. on the chess team at Miami. It's not right. exactly what Princeton's known for. Yeah. You know, I've always known. I think that I've I've identified probably more with the intellectual side, and and for me, I always felt like I was a younger brother, and for me. Comedy was the way I got got along with my yeah. older brothers. So for me, I think I've always felt comedy was how I related to people. So for me, I I feel comfortable about it. I uh, I don't know. I, you know, that's it's one. It's an interesting question. I, I it's look. It's always I think, something to
1: funny to pay attention I, I think, to.
0: I think I I know. My mom said. You know, I'm I'm like six four, and she's like being tall is an unearned advantage. And I definitely know for hosting for things, if I'm running a show, being a physically larger guy, I can command like an audience yeah, a little better. Yeah, you, like you don't a Ninja may not warrior. have to work. Right, you may to not have it, to yeah. work as hard. You know, for for comedy, I don't know. It's something obviously. I've I. I uh, I. That's a great it's question. A perce-
1: it's a weird, it's unperceived disadvantage at, at sometimes. Yeah, it depends on the room too. I mean, it, you could have a, a room full of people waiting for you to say something, and they're totally down with it. It's so.
0: it's uh, you know that's one of the one of the great things about comedy. I think is that every night is completely different, and that you could do the exact same act, and in your mind, you're like, I said it the same way, and it can be completely right. different. And that's one of the the great things about it. I feel is it's. It's this one of these things that I've, you know, read read a lot about. There was a uh, Amy Cuddy, this professor at um, Harvard who did one of the TED talks talking about presence and and one of the things they talked about was performers, great performers, and they talk about the need to work, 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 prepare, prepare, do hours and years of work, but when you're actually performing to do the complete opposite and relax and to be present. And it's one of the great lessons of stand-up of, you know, we spend so much time writing, we get so obsessed with our words that sometimes you forget to tell the joke, to tell the thought, the emotion behind it. And as a comic, one of the great things is, you know, you spend all this time writing, and, and one of the early mistakes you get is you get obsessed with, I'm saying the joke this way, but you're just saying words, and you forget why it's funny. And so what I love about comedy is... It is a dance. You're on a wave, and it's this immediacy. And as soon as you check out, as soon as you uh, start thinking about something else or think about what jo- joke I'm going to tell next, you can feel it, and the crowd can feel it. And the crowd let you know when the laughs Ooh. start dying down. Yeah. But it's but it's what I love about it is this. It's this dance, and it's this thing that keeps you present. And I also think it's, again, going back to hosting that thing of really observing what's going on and really being open and present to it. And it's, you know, I think it makes you a better person in life. My girlfriend will disagree. She says, I'm not always <laughs> present. I'm playing video games. Yeah, But but it's, it's what I love about stand-up, and one of the things I think that is best about it is that every night is different, and every night forces you to... to you can't just go through the motions because no, if you do not at at you get caught. Sense, it's get like caught. A, a
1: mixed martial arts fight. Like, yeah, no, he has thirty. I mean, different did you watch like GSP and
0: and Bisping the that other night? That trap
1: he set, and he even I, I said oh. the trap. I can't do a GSP, but it, yeah. The yeah, GSP. Yeah. <laughs> Michael
0: Bisping, yeah. It, but I thought GSP was sat, gassed. I thought I, he was done.
1: I did too. I tweeted it out. I go GSP slowing down, and yeah. what's Bisping known for? Going all day? Yeah. So his heart rate's like unhuman so whenever he did that and i and i again very low level in the past have competed in that stuff really and i and i that's this, amazing and I, I i watched bis i i watched him letting him go up and i go Bis, being don't give up your back don't yeah. get he gave up his back okay and it was and, and it was over 17 and literally uh saint pierre like a tactician like a doctor like a educational mind. It was, I set the trap, I knew he would take it, and now I'm champion. And, you know? <laughs> and that's,
0: that's one of the things that I love about it that people don't appreciate is the chess that goes on right. there where you set this stuff up. And I think, you know, on a obviously much lesser degree, but with comedy, you no, do that as well. Correlation. Where you, you know, you set these things up and you, 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 you direct people one way to set up a joke later. That's why and, it's so
1: frustrating if, if someone, and I've learned to just shut up because you guys are pros, but seeing so much comedy... Um, you know Claire from Accounts Payable that's there. And yeah. She's like, "Well, why would you say that?" And then you're like, you he just me killed the my audience, callback." Like, Will you shut up. He's yeah. he's working to it, but then you get there. But yeah, you're you're right. It's Be-
0: it's fun. I mean, it is. It's uh, that's what you know. When it, when when you see a great fight in MMA and you see that back and forth, that's yeah. kind of the way comedy feels sometimes. Where it is
1: this dance. The uh, it's under. No, oh, there we go. I dropped my phone. I, I know. Sure.
0: Where we are, we are so clumsy here. It is right. directly under your feet. I'm going to use my, uh, um, my feet. Here we to, go. but but that's what I love about comedy. Is you know, with Ninja Warrior, we tape it. And it gets edited and it gets shown weeks or months yep. later. But with stand up, it's the immediacy. And I remember Jerry Seinfeld saying, I don't care how famous you are, you get five minutes. After that, people aren't going to fake laugh. They're not no. going to care about your show. They're going to be like, either make me laugh or not. And what a crowd will let you know. And it's great when you're like, if you tell a joke, you know, sometimes like, they're an idiot. They didn't get it. No, they came there to laugh. You, you know, that's. The challenge is to figure out how do you make 300 people from different backgrounds, of different states of d- drunkenness, and yeah. maybe in different moods, how do you at the same moment get them all to see the mental picture in your mind with the words? And that's why I love a guy like Brian Regan is one of my favorite comedians. Just a guy who's completely clean and totally goofy, but who The whole family
1: can listen to his The album. whole family can yeah. listen,
0: but who I remember the first time I saw him... With within five seconds, I was laughing out loud, and I, I don't think I've ever laughed as hard as I have at his, at a, as a, as I do at Brian Regan, and how clever he'll start with a joke, and then I'll listen to him, and I was just listening to him do his UPS joke, where there's you know a 30 second setup, and then it's every line is a punchline, killing, and and I'm just like that's not by accident, he's worked for years to figure out the verbiage, the pauses. And, and that's what it is. It really is. It's a tweak. It's, you know, I flip the words here or I pause here. And, and like, you know, when you, when you see, you know, as an MMA performer, you see someone do it, or a musician, you see someone play a riff as a comedian. When you (laughs) see someone able to do that and take a joke and to push it and to to take a topic that normally would be a minute long and do 10 minutes on it. And you just, you tip your cap and you're like, that. I I hope people appreciate how hard that is. Oh my gosh,
1: as an audience member, you have to watch yourself from cheering at the wrong moment because you're you're applauding the the setup to whatever. Yeah. Even we were talking about a a small comedy festival that's being set up here. I set up a ton of events. I end up, I head them. You have to do this, you have to do that. You know and then the people that show up are just like, Well, my pizza was cold, it wasn't that great of a night, or whatever yeah. it was. It's like, This took three months and yeah. appearance, all this stuff. So, yes, the process I think, uh, I think that shows a higher level of intelligence if you can grasp that, <laughs> that entire but you process, get, you know.
0: But that's what you get too, and, and that's one of the things like we learn in LA is you know, people always say, We're coming to your show, but but I get it. Like, you know, they work a full day. And I, Jay Moore said this once. I remember him Jay saying Moore, it. Jay Moore. Jay Moore, you know, he was talking on stage and he goes, look, I know you work 12 hours at Napa Auto Parts today to earn 127 bucks, And you're coming out here with your girlfriend and you're going to spend $83. So for the next 22 minutes, I'm going to give you everything I have to entertain you. And yeah. I just thought it was such a good way to summarize it of like this blue-collar mentality of, you paid your money. Yeah, my job is to entertain you, right? And not to tell it's an you an exchange you're wrong. of goods. Yeah, it's an exchange of goods, and it really is. You've selected this out of all the things you could do. You could sit home in Netflix, but you got off your ass. You came out, and so now I re- f- Red Rocks. I was at Red Rocks, and it's pouring rain. You know, this is a great concert venue in in, yeah. in Colorado. Pouring rain, and and uh, we went to see John Bon Jovi, and it got delayed for like two hours. And he came out, and he said. You w- you waited in the rain for two hours for me, so for the next two hours, my ass is yours. And it just started <laughs> rocking. And uh. one of those things where I was just like, You know, just that statement alone. The acknowledgement. The gratitude of someone who appreciates the audience. And that's one of the things that I I think why, you know, getting back to this point of why I'm so enthusiastic is I appreciate. I know how lucky I am with the opportunities I've been given and the shows I have and the opportunity to get to do stand up at. At the funny bone. And so for me, you know, if people come out and come to the show, like, I want them to leave going, I'm, I'm glad I came. That was a great time. D- money so well appreciate. spent, yeah. man.
1: Yeah, it, it's crazy. By the way, Jay Moore used to do regular spots on our radio. Yeah. D- didn't owe us anything. A, he's insane. B, yeah. he's brilliant, so funny. He, and what the, you just on said, the
0: phone, he can be funny on the phone, which he, is almost that's impossible. what he, he would call it. And he we is. would
1: talk privately, and he would just be like, "Yeah, I just feel like you know, if I'm gonna call in, I gotta make everybody." I'm like, "Yeah, man, you're you're awesome. Yeah, you're he's awesome. Very a, a talented guy." Here, before we get you out of here, I had a couple questions. Uh, a friend of mine. Um, Whenever you guys came through St. Louis, he was in the UFC. He was a welterweight, right. Which means he walks around at like one ninety, but a, a guy who has no fat on his body. Right. I was like, "Hey, why don't you go win this thing?" Right? And he was like, "No, that's for people that are five foot six gymnasts that are hundred and sixty pounds at most, yep. probably more like 130, 40 pounds." Yeah, is it? And I don't, I don't pay attention to the show enough to, yeah. to know. Is it mainly guys like that? Well, did uh, I'm trying? Did John Dodson? Compete in that? Or? We've, we've had, like, the biggest
0: guy we had complete a city finals course was Cam Wembley. It was a defensive end for the Titans yeah. at 6'5", 255. But so, you know, we came from a Japanese show, and, and their numbers are a little more where they've now had, I think, 3,300 people go through, and I think... Four have completed all four stages. Wow. All of them, 5'5 or under, 150 pounds or under. The two guys for us who've completed it, um, Jeff Britton and Isaac Caldiero, I think they're both under six feet. But, you know, 5'9 to 5'11, a little taller, and 155 to 160, but both were rock climbers. So, Uh you know, just grip strength for days because so much of it – the initial course for us, a lot of it is agility. Then, you know, a little strength. But stage three uh, in Las Vegas becomes so much upper body strength, where any additional mass you have is just. Sapping that grip strength, so you really do need to be lean. One of our better competitors is Grant McCartney, who's like 6'2, 195. But you see it, you see the impact of on an extended course, yeah, that additional mass you're running with, you know, a a small child on your back. (laughs) So it's you know, and that's but but in a way, it's what makes it great is look, people from five feet tall, Casey Catanzaro was, you know, our breakthrough gymnast, five feet tall, 95 pounds, to you know, we've had six ten, six six, six seven, and wow. you know, two, we have had two hundred seventy pound guys. People from t- 21s the youngest, but we've had um, seventy seven year old people. Men, women, all different sizes, and it's the one sport where they all can compete. And what's kind of cool is. Again, you look at the NFL, my co-host is Akbar, Bajabi 6'6", six six, two sixty. He was a journeyman player and this guy's a specimen. Right. So you look hey, at you look at like yeah. for people who couldn't play, you know, who didn't have the dimensions for football or basketball or maybe, you know, baseball wasn't their sport. This is a sport. That suits a different type of athlete. And so I think it's been really cool to have these people who really never found an organized sport, who've now found this thing that rewards their athletic gifts. Right. And more importantly, I think than talent, the thing that separates the great ones is tenacity. It's 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 perseverance. It's, yeah. it's training, yeah. it's Taking hard it to work. Level. It's really is the harder you work, the better you do. And so it's it's been a show I think that came out, you know, we were we were fortunate to come out at a time when People were getting bored with treadmills. CrossFit was on the rise. Tough mutters and to be a sport that that women can do well at yeah. at a time when you know we want to empower women and have young girls feel like they can do anything. So you know we, you know if it came out three years before, maybe we're off the air now. And but we came you know so there's a huge degree of. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you, that's man. so I great. I mean, it. seriously, it's that's been nine great.
1: years. That's that's crazy. It's absurd. We haven't went too deep on it, and we only have a limited amount of time. Uh, the Apprentice. You yes. won The Apprentice. I've seen uh, I've seen Chael Sonnen do it. I've seen Adam Carolla be on it. I've seen Sonnen
0: was the, great. I love Chael
1: Sonnen. He's a great a, talker. Great talker. Yeah, absolutely. and a good guy. A good guy. Uh, he seems like a, a wonderful guy too. So experience on that. First off, how many people go? Are they mistaken, or do they go, oh, the one with Schwarzenegger? Like, is that weird because of the president being out there all the time? So
0: it was politicized. I mean, the the good news was going into it, I was, uh, you know, one of the lesser – Known celebrities on there, it's guys like you know
1: Vince Neil or Sonnen. I would have been Snooky.
0: I would Rupert. have had John
1: Lovitz doing right. his voice of uh, the critic, which is basically just uh, uh, his voice. Literally, the,
0: time. the entire time I'm around Lovitz, I'm like, I'm John Lovitz, <laughs> right? Theater. <laughs> hey, I'm doing will Lovitz. Would be the to devil Lovitz, for Indiana. like two seconds. But he was yeah. such a good sport about it. But, yeah. but I think so. It, it was. You know, we shot it in February of 2016 when Trump was one of 16. Right. No one even thought he had a shot of the primaries, let alone winning. You know, but it airs during the inauguration. It becomes a political you know, nuclear waste dump. And he's tweeting, they're going back and forth. And so it was unfortunate because for me, it was a phenomenal experience. Well, it had to be
1: a little scary, right? To do something different like that. And then knowing that you ended up raising almost a million dollars for charity, Holy cow! That's yeah,
0: fantastic. The, the the scare. One of the best things it did for me, though, was on American Ninja Warrior. I risk nothing. Right. I'm the host. I don't. I. I'm not going to fall if I screw up. We can pick it up. To be on this show where you know people are looking to backstab you or they're looking for you to fail or criticize you, that that fired up my competitive juices again. Right. 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 And it was it was it was so much fun to feel challenged in different ways and to feel like. Everything from hosting from stand-up from being a doctor from working hard to playing sports to being a team player to you know being able to relate to people to being positive, all of that came into play during the 13 episodes that we did. And that having Schwarzenegger as the boss ended up being an advantage for me because I think Trump was a much more unpredictable guy who really fomented Discord. He wanted he wanted disagreements and he wanted famous people. And I think, you know, with him, I don't think I win. With Schwarzenegger, there was a guy who was like, I I, I, I want someone to work hard, I want someone to take risks. <laughs> and and now, I, w- I was like, look, I'm willing to make a, j- a jackass out of myself, and I'm willing to work harder than anyone. Right. And so it paid off, and it was a phenomenal opportunity that, unfortunately, not a
1: lot of people saw. Well, it, but it's the same. But Just- it w-
0: I, I raised a million dollars for my charity, the Arthritis Foundation, so in the end, it was, it was absolutely worth
1: it. Absolutely, and especially whenever you have a guy like Schwarzenegger that, uh, man an immigrant like that came over the American say what you want say man. how about silly things with him self-made like you said and still working his ass off
0: and you know to meet a guy like him to meet uh Steve Ballmer from Microsoft who owns the Clippers yeah. you know 25 billion Jessica Alba whose company's worth 2 billion you know Tyra Banks to to meet and talk to these people who've been such so successful in their areas and to have the opportunity for them to give you feedback and for them to see you and Mark Burnett, you know, the producer to be around this guy for me to get to show them my skills and show them, you know, to have these connections um, you know, I I think at some point it's, it's going to be one of those things that I look back on and be like that was one of the more important things I did and if nothing else what it, what it's done for me, and as someone who has rheumatoid arthritis, and the money I've raised for the Arthritis Foundation, already knowing the awareness I raised and the money I've raised, like you know, I, I left medicine, and yet here I am being able to make a difference in people's
1: lives in a positive Impacted. way. So love it. Well, hey, go see Matt at Funny Bone. I love man. to talk about myself. Guys. Clearly, it'll enough. be hilarious. It's fantastic. I'm excited, yeah. dude. Thank you so much for coming.
0: My by. pleasure. By the way, he didn't have a single note. I got to say, I'm so impressed with his preparation. This, what well, you're right. This was a phenomenal interview. Well, you're going to give me I an really out. You're coming here it.
1: to promote, so like you're not coming here because you think I'm a cool guy. You're taking a chance to come by. here. I appreciate it though because I know how you're hard owed it that is. Respect.
0: You get it. By, well, I appreciate it. It was a ton of fun, and thank you.
1: Yeah, yeah, and thank you to Vest Soda. Thank you to Barrel Beard and Tattoo Oil, and, and Travis. Gonna, you're lost, bro. Yeah, you're out, buddy. Yeah, it's going to be Eisman and Denman from here on out. That's right. <laughs> Maybe he can go with uh, with Akbar. Yeah, that's and, right. Yeah. We're breaking it up. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> that's it it's We Are Live be sure to rate and review us on iTunes all that good stuff and uh, and follow Matt and all his great work watch American Ninja Warrior and uh, gosh Hallmark Channel a lot of Hallmark yeah, Channel the Hallmark listeners uh, Hallmark right? Family. Those. yeah <laughs> thanks again man we'll see you thank you Chris